You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Ornitos Tequila, the official tequila of Boot Crew Media. And if you guys are watching on video format, you can check out the code for DraftKings. Use the promo code SUS, all capital letters for Straight Up Saints. Obviously, go help yourself out, win some money on DraftKings. So the Saints and the Buccaneers for the second time this season are going to meet first time around. You guys all know how that one went. It was an emotional roller coaster, I would say, for a game. You have the Saints end up winning. You have that crazy pick six with P.J. Williams. But there's the aftermath of it. Jameis Winston goes down. And obviously, the trajectory of the season has changed since. The Buccaneers, on the flip side, they're in a position to win the NFC South, and they can do it on Sunday night. So there's a lot at stake for this one. It's going to be completely different from the first time. And I know I say that a lot, where you could take a first matchup and throw it out the window. But this one specifically, it's the first time we're going to see Taysom Hill against the Buccaneers. We have seen Trevor Simeon play against them. We have seen Jameis Winston briefly play against them. We have seen Teddy Bridgewater in 2019 play against them. We've obviously seen Drew Brees play against them. Now we're going to see what Taysom Hill can do against them. And it'll it'll be fascinating. It'll be fascinating to see. Obviously, with Taysom, you lose that passing ability in terms of efficiency. Although 15 of 21 last week, the Saints are going to need more of that. So I'm going to talk about what the Saints need to pull off the upset. Who is in who's out or at least the way it looks for now talk about the Buccaneers side of things although you know with the way it goes with them obviously they got Tom Brady which means they got the football gods on their side which means they're pretty healthy relatively healthy I would say at this juncture in the season I'll give some updates going on things that I'd like to see in this game because again I'm not expecting a Saints victory if they get it you know I'm going to be pretty pumped up on that next podcast and if they don't I understand you're playing a Buccaneers team that has a lot to play for, just like the Saints. So I'll break all of that down. I'm also going to briefly give you guys my thoughts on No Way Home because that is coming out this Thursday night, and you guys are probably listening to it this Thursday morning. And, man, I'm pumped. Thursday night I'm going, going with my brother, going with a couple of uh, my friends and my cousins, and uh, it's going to be pretty damn fun. Uh, so I'm going to give my brief thoughts on what I want to see from that movie as well. I know you guys are going to be like, oh, it's a Saints podcast. Well, After I get through the Saints stuff, if you don't want to listen, turn it off. And if you want to hear what I have to say about it, great. And if you liked what I had to say about it, let me know because I would like to explore that world too. So let's get into it. Saints injury report for this Wednesday. Honestly, I'm going to say it's somewhat encouraging and obviously somewhat discouraging as well. So the good news, Pete Warner came back at practice. He missed the game against the Jets. You had Gardner Johnson, limited participant. Marcus Davenport, limited participant. Taysom Hill, full participant. Those are all the good news ones. The bad news, still no Ryan Ramchek. Uh, Armstead did not participate. Caden Ellis did not participate. Those are the bad ones for here. And then obviously, you know, some minor ones. Little Jordan Humphrey didn't participate and Garrett Griffin did not participate. So that's the injury report for the Saints. On the Buccaneers side, no Jamel Dean, no Leonard Fournette, no Richard Sherman, no Antoine Winfield, Limited participant was Jordan Whitehead and also a another and then two full participations, excuse me, JPP and Bradley Pinion, the punter of the Buccaneers. We'll see what happens. I, you know, Jamel Dean, I think he's got an illness. I would imagine since it's not COVID-19 related, he should be good to go. And if he misses, that would be big. Sherman, look, Achilles can be scary, so we'll see what happens there. But if Dean and Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting are playing, they're not going to need Richard Sherman. I would say the big one is Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette's been a really good running back this season, just coming off a 113 rushing yard game against the Buffalo Bills. If he doesn't play, that would be the big one because they just put Gio Bernard on IR. 
And with Gio Bernard out, that gets rid of your receiving weapon. And if Fournette is out, then that gets get rid of your best runner. Now, they do have Ronald Jones, so it's not like they wouldn't have any runner in there that Bruce Arians can't trust. But that would be a big a big loss. You know, I know that Leonard Fournette can be considered one-dimensional at times, but he's had a really good season, and he deserves his flowers. So if he misses it, that would be the big absence there. But overall, I think the real concern is the tackles. And there's two thoughts on it. One... I'm not going to get all up on the Armstead thing because this could just be their way of monitoring him. And again, if you rest him for a couple of days, maybe it'll be a little bit fresher than you'd expect on Sunday. So that's a possibility. The reality of the situation is, though, I don't know how you extend Teron Armstead after this year. And, and there's a lot of factors. There's one, the Saints don't have a lot of cash space. Now, I'm not one of those idiots. I know the Saints will find a way to make it work. But the Saints aren't going to be in the luxury of, Yes, you will pay Armstead big bucks, and yes, you will pay Marcus Williams big bucks, and you'll be aggressive and add other players. Like, there's just not that scenario, in my opinion. There's a scenario where they can retain certain guys, but I don't know if you can retain all the key players and also add, you know? So I think for Armstead, there's a balance. He is still a really good tackle when healthy. And if you look around the NFL, there's not that many great left tackles, and that would probably put a, a stress and an emphasis on keeping Teron Armstead. But you also have to think about, his injury history. You have to think about this year. He's probably missing more time than he usually does. You have to consider that he is getting older. And those are all factors. Now, you can quickly say, Chris, shut up. Teron Armstead's a great player. The Saints need him. And I wouldn't say you're wrong. I would say you're right. But I think there's the balance. So with Armstead, not going to go completely overboard here. But if he does miss this game, yet again, that's another game that the Saints would not have. Him. You know, Ramchick on the other side, I don't know what's going on there. This would be four weeks, I think, that he's missed. It doesn't seem like he's getting any better, but he wasn't put on IR, which makes no sense. I, you know, I'll say this about the Saints. I'm not going to get into a huge rant here, but I, I just always find it odd. Like, are they just misdiagnosing situations or are players not recovering as quickly as, as they're expected to recover? Because why aren't they going on IR when they can? And like the, the Camaro one I get, Camaro had a setback, had the hamstring injury flare up, and that's why I didn't play. If Ramchek's injury was supposed to be three weeks, maybe four weeks, Put him on IR. Like, it's just a very weird situation. Not having Ramchek's played such a huge factor. It doesn't get talked about enough. But you've been down him, and he just got paid. So we'll see what happens with that situation. But the tackles for the Saints, if they can't play, you're going up against a ferocious Buccaneers uh, defense, especially in the front seven. The secondary can be had, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But in that front seven, you want your offensive linemen. So the Saints being banged up there, not great. Now, there is this, you know idea that the Saints are going to get steamrolled on Sunday, and it might very well happen. The Buccaneers are playing for a division title. The Buccaneers are sick and tired of losing to the Saints in the regular season, and whether or not we like him or not, that old bastard in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, he's playing pretty damn well, and he probably will win MVP this year, which is just absurd because, you know, most 40-year-olds, should I say most 44-year-olds, are not sitting out here throwing 36 touchdowns in the middle of the season, but Tom Brady is, and I don't know what it is. If it's that avocado ice cream or PDs that he's shooting up, I have no idea what it is, but he's having a great year. And I, you know, I, I understand everyone's going to pick the Bucs. And heck, in 10 minutes from now, I'm going to tell you that I would pick the Bucs if I had to, but I don't have to. But the Buccaneers are not a perfect team. There is no perfect team in the NFL this year. So I'm not taking a shot at the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers probably have the best shot besides the Packers, I would say, in the NFC to make it to the Super Bowl, but they're not a perfect team. And there's two things I've noticed with the Buccaneers that, you know, it, it just bring, you bring it up and you say, all right, 
Let me see how they do against these players. And here are the two things. Mobile quarterbacks have given them trouble. Josh Allen gave them a lot of trouble last week. And I know you guys are going to say, well, it's Josh Allen. And you know what? I knew you guys would say that. So I would combat that by saying, Taylor Heineke played pretty damn well against the Buccaneers, not once, but twice. And then you're going to say, can Taylor Heineke move? And Taylor Heineke is actually really shifty and really slippery. And he had a really, really efficient game against the Buccaneers back on November 14th. And here's the second thing. And this is, this is through anything. Their secondary can be had. Taylor Heineke played well against them. You go to the Colts game. I thought Carson Wentz had a pretty darn good game against him. Obviously, he had two picks because Carson Wentz from time to time gets loosey-goosey with it, but I thought he played well. I thought Josh Allen played extraordinary. I thought you even had um, Simeon when he came in relief duty played well. You had Jalen Hurts play decent football, especially running the football. Their secondary can be had. Their defense at times can be had, most importantly with multiple quarterbacks. But that also brings up this point. When you have a mobile quarterback and you can run the football, and you know the Saints are going to want to run the football, time of possession is huge. And this isn't some new discovery by me, so I I get that. I don't care what team you're facing. If you control time of possession, if you play clean football, you're always going to have a chance to win. And I look at that Washington game, and I see all the stats up there and passing yards pretty much equal. Rushing yards, Washington only had 94. Yards per play, Tampa Bay way above them. Third down efficiency, all right. Fourth down efficiency even. Sacks allowed. You know, Tampa Bay gave up no sacks. Washington gave up five. So you look at the stats, you're like, well, how did Washington beat Tampa Bay that game? Washington held the ball for 39 minutes. Tom Brady and the Bucks held it for 21 minutes. That is a huge gap. Now, I am not expecting the Saints to be able to just do that because in a division game, it's hard fought, and it's really hard. Like it, To hold the ball for 39 minutes, you're doing something really right. But that has to be the formula. You go into this game, you play clean football with Taysom Hill. That is one. Two, you control the clock. Long drives are going to be the Saints' friends. Or friend, I should say. Not plural. Friend. Tom Brady can't hurt you on the bench. And even if Tom Brady comes in, the Saints have shown... They can at least hold up against Tom Brady. And that's part being able to get there with your three-man rush and being able to get there with your four-man rush and then having the guys in the back end that can cover. Lattimore, Garner Johnson, Adebo, Roby, whoever it might be. But the controlling the clock part, I think, is going to be the biggest factor for this game. And I think that starts and ends with Taysom Hill being able to move the football with his arm. And yeah, I just said they're bad against mobile quarterbacks. I just said that. But the mobile quarterbacks had good games throwing the football. Josh Allen, over 300 passing yards. Taylor Heineke, 26 of 32. That's a damn efficient game. So, yes, Taysom Hill has to be decisive as a runner. Taysom Hill needs to have some big runs. He needs to open up that option and then RPOs. But he needs to be able to be some type of threat with his arm because if he's not, then the Buccaneers will stack the box. The Devin Whites and Levante Davids of the world will have their way, and you lose this game. And you probably just don't lose this game. You lose it handily. So I think for the Saints, Taysom's got to be able to make plays with his arm. And again, I get it. They don't have weapons. And it's going to be tough. But you're going to have to find a way. And I think that's why you're hearing an emphasis throughout the week of practice that they have to throw the football a little bit more than they've done. Against the Jets, they can just break the Jets' will. Against the Cowboys, they ran the football pretty well with Taysom. Offensive passing game, not great. So... That, for me, is a huge key. 
The other key in this game, and I talked about it with Brady with a rush, but I'm very curious how the Saints' secondary plays. And the Saints have the talent in the secondary, so this has nothing to do about talent. With the offense, a lot of it is talent-based. I don't trust the receivers. The tight ends are in and out of the lineups, although Trauman might come back. He did practice Wednesday, so that's good news for the Saints. The secondary, you got the talent. Marcus Williams, Malcolm Jenkins, Paulson Adebo, Marshawn Lattimore, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the list goes on and on. P.J. Williams and, and, and Roby as well. Chris Godwin owned the Saints last time they played. He finished the game with eight catches for a buck 40 and a touchdown. A lot of it was on Garner Johnson. I'm really curious how do the Saints adjust to that? Do they keep it the way it is and ride with Garner Johnson on Godwin? Well, that's that might be tough. Do you get Roby a little bit more burn in there? Like I'm I'm curious as to how they go about it, but I think that's going to play a really huge factor. Because if Fournette is banged up and Antonio Brown can't play because he decided he wanted to get a fake vaccine card, which is still hilarious. Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore, I kind of know what I'm getting there. Evans will probably have a touchdown and 30 yards. And that will be it for the day, if I had to guess. Godwin is the one that he can just eat the clock. He can move the chains. He can just really just pummel you. And that is a factor for me. How do they cover Chris Godwin? Can they control the clock offensively? Can Taysom Hill be okay as a passer? If Taysom Hill goes 15 of 21, or better yet, they'll probably have to throw the ball more than 21 times. If Taysom Hill can go 22 of 29, I think the Saints would sign up for that in a heartbeat. I know I would. 22 of 30, 22 31, I'd take it. So, got to be efficient. Got to get after with the pass rush. Got to be able to have some type of resistance against Chris Godwin. And obviously, a no-brainer here, and I'll just throw this one in there. You got to be able to have field position. You, you, you got to be able to control field position because even last week, Saints scored 30 points, and, and I was relieved. I, I tweeted about scoring 30 points and then dot, dot, dot in this economy. They had 30 points, but it didn't feel like 30 points. And I know you guys know what I mean. You didn't watch this game and watch the Saints go up and down the field and up and – no, it, it was ugly first half. Okay, third quarter. And then fourth quarter, the Jets were like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. Just score your touchdowns. And that's kind of what happened. You're not going to be able to do that against the Buccaneers. You're going to need to be a little bit more methodical. You're going to need to be more consistent. You can't score six points in the first half against the Bucs and get away with it. You will lose. So I'm really curious to see how it all goes down. The fact that the Bucs have a chance to clinch the division title, I think that puts a little bit of pressure on them. No pressures on the Saints. I think there's one good thing. No pressure. No one's going to pick them. Chris Sims, Mike Tirico, even Drew Brees. I, I think Drew Brees will probably pick the Bucs. Tony Dungy, all of them on NBC when you're watching this Sunday night preview, they're going to pick the Bucs. And I don't blame them, obviously. But the pressure is going to be on them. It's not going to be on the Saints. That could be a good thing. But a tone needs to be set early. And you're not going to get, or at least I don't think, and if we do, my God, Twitter's going to be just burnt to the ground. You're not going to get what we got last year where the Saints just beat the crap out of the Buccaneers on Sunday night football. But in that game, the Saints immediately set the tone. Scored quickly, quick quick three and outs. Tom Brady was uncomfortable, and the Saints did that. Now, again, the Brady being uncomfortable thing is going to be such a huge key. As, as much as I stress Taysom being efficient, the minute Brady's uncomfortable, that changes a lot of things because then your offense isn't moving so well. And, you know, I, I tweeted, you know, a couple of days ago because so I was talking about the Saints being an 11-point underdog, which... I'm not a gambling man, but if I was, I would just say I like that number for the Saints. 
The Buccaneers offensively, last couple of weeks, 30 points against the Giants, 38 against the Colts, 30 against the Falcons, 33 against the Bills. They're playing great football, so I understand the spread, but I think the Saints just play them so tough in terms of a physicality standpoint that I'm really curious to see what happens. Now, also real quick, I just want to mention something about the Saints-Bucks game the first time while I said throw it out the window. Taysom Hill did not record a catch. Taysom Hill did not record a throw. He did not record a rushing attempt. This was an all-Trevor Simeon, Jameis Winston affair. That's why I say throw it out. Because the Buccaneers might confuse the shit out of Taysom Hill, or Taysom Hill might have a Josh Allen-esque game. And whichever way it goes, obviously you're going to get your answer very quick. But that's why I say throw this game out. You're entering a lot of unknown. But I'm really curious. I'm not going to say the Saints don't have a shot. They play the Buccaneers really well. They have a really good defense. And I think for the Saints, that controlling the clock thing, that's going to be the key. Can you control the clock? Move the chains? Be at least somewhat efficient in the passing game because you cannot be one-dimensional against the Bucs. And a lot of it is because, A, the Bucs' secondary is bad. So if you're going to be one-dimensional, it has to be through the pass. And two, we stress about Alvin Kamara and how great he is. The Buccaneers have linebackers who can match his athleticism. There's not many teams, maybe three teams in the league. I, I think Devin White on the Bucs, Darius Leonard on the Colts. I would say Fred Warner on the 49ers. I would say those are the three linebackers that I think in space, I'm not saying they're going to beat Alvin Kamara. I'm saying, though, from time to time, they can hold their own. Other dudes just can't. Bobby Wagner struggled this past year. Eric Kendricks, I've seen him struggle against Alvin. So I'm really curious to see how that goes down. Now, I did say before I wrap this up, I was going to talk about No Way Home real quick because, goddamn, I'm really excited for that. So as you guys know, I tweet about Marvel an awful lot. Just tweeted about Hawkeye earlier this Wednesday. You're listening to it on Thursday. And if you didn't watch Hawkeye Episode 5, shame on you because that was my favorite one so far uh, of the series. So I'm going to keep it real quick. No Way Home, the third installment of the MCU Spider-Man franchise. That is Thursday night coming out, at least for us Americans. So I know UK got it already, and I'm sure they're trying to spoil it as hard as they can, but it is what it is. So I'm really excited for that. You know, I recently was on ESPN's morning show on Tuesday, and I was talking about it with my my good friend, Lynn uh, Bodwin, about, uh, you know, what we expect from the movie, what it could be in the movie. And I know a lot of you are like, dude, it's straight up Saints, just talk Saints. And I know I'm going against my rule, but make it a one-time exception. There are a couple things. I think this movie is going to hit us with so much nostalgia. And whoever's listening, you know. The, the rumors about Toby, rumors about Andrew, that part's sick. But more importantly, I want to make sure it's not just fan service. Fan service is good. I love fan service. And as a dude who reads comics, I will gladly take fan service scenes. However, it needs to be justifiable fan service. They can't just be in here just to be in here because we know it's going to make a lot of money. No, it needs to make sense. There needs to be closure. There needs to be you know, insurance that you don't ruin some people's arcs. Cough, cough, doc, doc. Do not ruin that that arc. So uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I'll, I'll say this before I close and go right back to Saints and then finish this podcast up. I am so excited, obviously. The kid in me is so excited to see Tobey Maguire. The teenager that was in me is so excited to see Andrew Garfield because you guys know he's my favorite Spider-Man. But all that said, I really want to make sure Tom Holland's Spider-Man doesn't get lost in the shuffle because it is his movie. And for those who don't know, I've had a really big issue with MCU Spider-Man. It has nothing to do with Tom Holland. I think he's a fantastic casting choice. I don't think that character deals with responsibility. And I think for once, at least the tone from the trailer, the tones from all the interviews and stuff, 
it seems like he will deal with that and, and and go through tragedy and realize there's consequences to every action. Even if he thinks he's doing the right thing, there's a price to pay for living that double life. And if that happens, I think I'll probably love the movie. So we'll see what happens. I'll obviously tweet about it Friday. No spoilers for me. You can guarantee it. No spoilers for me. I, I, may, I may tweet spoiler stuff next week or two weeks from now. I'm not doing it this weekend. You know, so... Don't worry about that for me, but I'm really excited for that. So we got No Way Home Thursday night and Sunday night, Saints Buccaneers. The perfect week or close to this week would be great Spider-Man movie and the Saints beat the crap out of Tom Brady. I think I'm going to get one of those. If I get both of those, I'll be a pretty happy guy. So we'll see what happens. No Way Home, like I said, Thursday night. Sunday night, Saints Buccaneers. Second meeting this season. Saints won the first time. We'll see if they can get the sweep for the second straight year in a row. And if they do, man. It's going to be a fun week, but we'll see what happens. Saints are big-time underdogs going into that matchup, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. So I thank you guys so much for listening to this. If you guys like the little Marvel stuff, just hit me up because I have some ideas in my head. Uh, but we'll see what happens, guys. So I appreciate you guys tuning into this one. Stay tuned for more content in the very near future. I'll have a recap podcast, hopefully, of a Saints upset. That would be quite you know, quite something, to be honest. So thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned for more content in the near, uh, near future, and let's hope the New Orleans Saints can pull off this upset on Sunday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's going to be a fun one. It could get wild, hopefully in the right direction. We'll see what happens, and we'll be all there recovering and recapping on not just the Straight Up Saints podcast, but also my Twitter, at Rizvogel Report. Make sure to check it out, guys. Really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy your weekend, and I'll talk to you guys very, very soon. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.